welcome everybody today. We're going to be in Galatians 5, 13 through 15 as we continue on with, um, with our series, Get in the Game. And so this month we talked about, you know, how can we serve? How do I plug in to serve here in, with our church body, maybe inside the church or outside of the church in, in various ways? And we've looked at that as, as we've gone on. And, and um, so as you find Galatians 5... Um, update a couple of things. One, yeah, I've had some folks ask, you know, what about uh, our student pastors? We look for a new um, student pastor. If, if you don't know, um, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but Pastor Roy has, has felt led of God to leave. He and Amy to start a church, so they're, they won't be with us in a few more weeks. Um, they'll be leaving, and we're looking currently for a um, replacement for Roy. And obviously, we can't replace Roy, but somebody to do, um, you know, that position. And, and so as we do that, you know, you kind of wonder, how does that work or where are we? Well, right now, we're receiving resumes. So that's, that's kind of where we are, and, and we'll come there. And, and um, what I would say is there is urgency in doing this and, and finding someone, but we're not going to rush, we will do our due diligence. So having said that, so, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can at the moment. We don't have any, you know, we haven't gone, oh, this is the person or whatever. But, but we are currently looking at that, and, and then we'll, we'll go on. And then um, if, you know, parent, youth parents, if you have questions or would like to talk about that, Wednesday night I'm going to be here at the Pinewood Derby, and, and I would be glad to, to talk to folks after that and, and just answer any questions or or anything that you would like to input and, and so forth with that. Um, last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23, and we talked about serving in, in light of reaching others with the gospel. In other words, serving all people. Paul said, I've become all things to all people so that by all means I might reach some. So we looked at it in that, reaching people. This, this week is a little different look at serving. It's not specifically directed at those outside the faith. It's not this big net, but it's more inside. It's more of how do we serve one another? How do we serve here together? And and um, how do we come in and, and um, address how we have viewed the freedom that we have in Christ? So in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But... If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So I want us to look in this uh, in the beginning is that our freedom in Christ drives us to love and serve. He says, for you were called to freedom. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, for yourself, but through love serve one another. So what he's saying is the freedom that we have in Christ, it drives us to love and serve. 
Freedom from the Mosaic law is, is what Paul's talking about here. Freedom from the Mosaic law or from um, the, the Old Testament covenant. Freedom from this. It, it's not licensed to do whatever we want or whatever we feel like at any given moment. This is, this is where um, Paul is coming in here. And, and the attitude being addressed here is just the opposite of what <clears throat> Gentiles in, in, in Galatia were being deceived with at the beginning of the chapter. In the beginning of the chapter, um, Paul begins, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he begins the chapter by saying, Look, you have been set free in Christ. Don't fall into legalism. Don't fall into a trap of you can earn the favor of God or you have to do these things to be good enough or anything like that. They were easily deceived by the Judaizers and, and Judaizers go, what are, what's a Judaizer? A Judaizer is somebody who says everybody has to be a Jew like me. If you want to know God, you have to be like me. Um, another way of putting that today would be we would have a Baptistizers. You know, if you want to go to heaven, you have to be a Baptist, or you have to be a Methodist, or you have to be a Bible church person, which is a Baptist, or you, you know, you got to be whatever, whatever it might be. You've got to have my label in order to please God, and, and you have to follow my traditions and my orders to, to do that, or my customs. Um, in, in other words, what what they were being taught is it's Jesus plus Moses. You have to know Jesus plus this. You have to do Jesus and this. And that, that's never worked. It never has worked. It didn't work 2,000 years ago. It doesn't work today. It doesn't work. It, it won't work in, in our world. And the temptation in verse 13 is, is quite the opposite of this. Um, what, what the other side of that is, is say, well, you've been set free. You can do anything, anytime, no worries. Don't worry about it because God will forgive it. And that's called license. <laughs> that says, and, and you know, the truth of the matter is there, there are people who think that way today. They think, well, I'm forgiven in Christ, so I can do whatever I want. God will forgive me. He has to. Um, and, and that's that's not uh, that that's that's not a right attitude either. As a matter of fact, it's a trampling on grace. And, and I would push it just a little bit further and 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 say that that's probably a misunderstanding of salvation and not knowing Christ. So um, it, it leads to and and both of these things lead to bondage. So this is what he's saying: you've been set free. Don't fall into bondage. Don't fall into the bondage of legalism. Don't fall into the bondage of license. But instead, stay true to the word of God. In Romans 6.1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That, that's the attitude here. And in that, you know, there were people there, and, and they were saying, Hey, well, if, if because of our sin grace came well if we sin even more there'll be even more grace and that would be a good thing and Paul's like no 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 it doesn't work that way there is a true way so the way 
to overcome this, and, and the way that we overcome either extreme is by following the Holy Spirit. If you jump down to verse 16, the next verse out of our passage today, um, Paul says, but I say, rather than both of these things in, in verses 1 through 13, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you walk by the Spirit, you won't be caught up in legalism. You won't be caught up in license. Um, you will instead be moved into a place where you are following God and following his word as he leads you. So the do of all of this is to serve one another in love. So this is the do. Um, Coming in, he says, you're called to freedom. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead serve one another in love or to serve others without expecting anything in return. In other words, I do something for someone not so that I can get something, but I do it because I genuinely care about them. I genuinely want to reflect the person of Christ to them. Um, When unconditional love drives us to serve, we're moved from doing because of rules, guilt, obligation, personal gain, wanting recognition, or a myriad of other reasons to loving others because Jesus loved us first. This is the thing that's being um, pushed here as as Paul comes in. This is the, the attitude and the heart. And he's saying, serve one another out of love to serve one another unconditionally. And by the way, this is, this is the love that is spoken of. It's the unconditional love of God that he's saying that we're to have that kind of unconditional love for others. So the freedom that we have in Jesus, he's coming and telling us, it's far too precious to waste on our own selfish pleasures. The love of Jesus is far too precious that we would waste it on ourselves. The forgiveness that we have in Christ, the love that we have received in God, it's it's not something that we hold on to ourselves, but it's something that we serve others with. And as he comes in here, don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. The flesh here, um, I I read a quote to you on the flesh, um, I think is is a great, great way of looking at it. It says, the flesh is the fallen human nature, the center of human pride and self-willing. Flesh is the arena of indulgence and self-assertion, the locale in which the ultimate sin reveals itself to be the false assumption of receiving life, not as the gift of the Creator, but procuring it by one's own power of living from one's own self rather than God. And in other words, it's self-dependence, self-sufficiency, self-pleasure, self-desire. It's it's about us. So serve. As we come in here and look at this word, um, we we talked about this a week or two ago, but but served can also be translated out that we're to be the slave of others, that we are to serve them. And our freedom hinges on what we're free for and what we're a slave to. We we come in and and we look and, and we talk about we're free. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. I'm either a slave to the flesh or I'm a slave to the spirit. There is no other. We are either caught over on this side of the, of the equation or the other. Another way of putting it in Romans 6, 16, it says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, whatever choice we make, we are a slave to that choice. It owns us. It drives us. It moves us. 
And, and for Paul, he's saying that we should walk by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not be slaves of the flesh. We will not be that. So our freedom in Christ drives us to love and serve. The second thing is that loving service fulfills God's standard for us in community. This, this is a standard for us. God has placed this for us, that, that we are to lovingly serve one another, and that's, that's the baseline that he has for us as a church. That's where he wants us to be as we're in community with one another. In verse 14, it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's really that simple. That's a quote right out of Leviticus. It's a quote, right? It's a quote of Moses. If you, if you go back in Leviticus 19, 18, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, so this is a quote. It's not, it's not a Jesus thing. It's not a Moses thing. It's a God thing. It, it, it transcends time. It goes all the way back. It's also a quote of Jesus in Luke 10, 25 through 28. Jesus says the same thing. He says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Jesus is saying, look, if you have these two things figured out, you know me. That is the way that we please God is by loving God above anything else and loving others the same way that we love ourselves. So that's how God expects us to live for among one another. It's an attitude that we're to have of caring for one another. And Jesus, he takes the whole Bible and he sums it down. He sums it up in two statements. He says, look, if you want to know the Bible in a nutshell, if you want to know the heart of God in a nutshell, if you want to know the Christian life in a nutshell, it's very simple. Love God more than anything else and love the people around you the way you love yourself. Or as it says in Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, it's easy to look after my own interests. That's, that's simple. It's simple for me to look after my own interests. Um, but when I add in the interests of others, it's a whole different ballgame. Because if all I'm doing is looking out after my own interests, I'm looking out for what I want, what I need, what, what, what will make me, bring me pleasure, or any other, you know, throw in whatever you want to in there. But that's, it's all about me. That's easy. That's simple. But when I add in the interests of other people, as the scriptures say, don't just look after yourself. Don't, don't be self-centered, but, but be looking out around you to the needs of others and place those at the same level then that's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different thing. And, and as we come in and, and we look, you know, I look in our church, and we have a lot of people who do this really well. They do this really well. They care for other people. They serve other people. They show up when other people have a need, or they contact people who need, need someone to talk to, or, you know, you can list many different 
things in there, but there are many people here who selflessly help others. They help others even when it costs them personally. It costs them time, it may cost them money, um, it may cost them work, effort. Uh, you, you know, you can stack the list up there, but, <clears throat> but um, one of the things back in the spring, we, we, taught, we, you know, we did a survey in our church, what are some things, and, and we're still looking at, at those. Um, we haven't just put it on the shelf, but, but coming in, one of the things that came up was how do we help the helpless? How do we help the helpless? Um, and, and was listed, um, you know, what, what about people, what about kids in our community who are in foster care? What do we do with that? How do we help in that arena? And that was a, um, that was a, a common thing that came up and, and looking at, you know, trying to figure out how do we do that? And, and we've had people, um, we have people in our church who are involved working in that system, um, Michelle, uh, one of our members, is, is, um, that's her job. Um, she does those things and, and works. Um, we have people in our church who have fostered over the years. We have people who are currently fostering now. Um, there, <clears throat> there are different needs that go along with that, and how do we minister in that area? That's coming right here in this is loving service, fulfilling God's standard for us, as a community of believers, it's coming in and saying, because, you know, not everybody in our church will, will be able to do this. You know, some of us are aged out of having small children. Um, others, it's, it's not, they're not able to because of their housing situation or anything else. But, but it's saying that but all of us, we can be involved as we help those who go through this or as that we look and see what are the needs around us we have many needs in our community and and a lot of times it's really easy to look at those needs and and place them off as somebody's fault it's your fault that you're in this place and and sometimes your decisions do put you in a place like that that's true but when you're a child it's not your fault you're at the mercy of those who will care for you. So as you come in, you know, you used to look in, and, and that's encouraging to me as you come in and you look, you know, that there are a lot of people who say, you know what, what are we doing? How are we helping the helpless? How do we serve those who, um, they have, <clears throat> when they come to the table, they're not putting something on the table. They're coming because they need something off of the table. And, and so, that is, that is the, uh, the principle, the biblical principle is you, you don't do something for someone because you get something in return. You do it because you're giving and, and going. So this is, this is a, a, an example of that. So that's easily in, in the category of loving service. That would be a simple, um, a simple illustration of that. There are many others. And, and basically it comes down to how do you help other people in need? You know, there, there are many, many ways we could look at this, but we have people in our church who are shut-ins. You know, how do we help them? What do we do for them? Or you, you might have, you know, we have young couples who are struggling to get by. How do we help them? What do we do? Um, they have a, a single mom, you know, saying, I, can I make it? What am I going to do? How am I going to help my children? 
Um, how am I going to raise them in the right way? That, that's service. Um, it, it could be something along a different line of somebody saying, you know what, I, I grew up in, a, in total chaos. And now I've come to Christ and I have no idea what to do. What does this look like? And, and how do I now fix what I've brought myself into? And, and that's another way that we would come and serve. So there, there are a multitude of ways that we can come in to this. <clears throat> but, but as we come into the, to this verse here, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then Jesus tells the story of who's my neighbor. He says, well, everybody's your neighbor. Your neighbors are all around you. The person in the greatest need is your neighbor, and the person who has very few needs, they're your neighbor as well. And, and you are to serve them, not because you get something from them, but because God has given everything to you. So it's coming in in this way as we come in and we talk about serving. So serving is, is not something that just happens inside the walls. Um, it could be that your service is, is way outside, and, and it's constantly there, and, and that's where God has placed you and called you because that is there. And then as a church, how do we support that? How do we help within that realm? And then <clears throat> the final thing is to eliminate division, to eliminate division. We're, we, we have a freedom in Christ that drives us to love and serve, to love one another, to serve one another. Um, <clears throat> that, that service is what fulfills the standard that God has given to us. As we do that, we are fulfilling the purpose that God has given to us. We are showing his love to other people. We are making him known as being great, the one who changes us. And they see us and they say, you know, why, what drives them to do that? And, and the more they ask the question, it just comes up, it's Jesus. It's because we've moved into a different arena. We have moved the way that we live and we think into a different way and a different place. And then as we come in there, the warning is to eliminate division. He wraps this section up by saying, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So that's really strange. That's a strange way to end up loving. You know, love each other, serve each other. Um, doing this, it fulfills, you know, the whole law. But if you bite and devour one another, whew, it's going to be ugly. Um, that is a window into the opposite of loving and serving. That's what it looks like when we move there. That's a dog-eat-dog attitude. That is dog-eat-dog. I am going to triumph. I am going to, to put myself first. I am going to look out for my own needs. I don't care about anybody else. I will do whatever it takes to get what is mine. And when you come in there and he says, watch out that you don't bite and devour one another, but if you bite and devour one another, that's the language that's used in, in the first century AD. That's the language that's used of a pack of animals that are attacking something or a, a pack of animals who are in a deadly struggle. So that would be like um, <clears throat> you know, whatever animals eat their young 
or you know maybe uh, you know the black bears, the the sows and the cubs stay away from the boars because boars will come and eat them. They will bite and devour them. That's the language being used here. That's that's the way that it is. Um, <clears throat> or or they're in a deadly struggle. It's two animals fighting to the death as they come into there, and that's where that's where it leads. When we fail to love and serve, this is where it goes. If our focus moves from loving and serving. It moves to self, and self will generally move us into a dog-eat-dog mentality. We move from putting the interests of others ahead of our own, and we do whatever it takes to get our way. It's when we complain and we scheme. We, we complain about things and we scheme. How can I change this to get it the way that I want it? where I will be pleased and I am satisfied and, and will do whatever it takes rather than serving in love, rather than serving unconditionally, rather than coming in, how do I give of myself so that others can receive and be blessed? Um, one commentator put it like this, said, serving one another through love stands at the polar opposite from a dog-eat-dog approach to social, business, and political interactions. An approach that is all too pervasive in any society. Now, you stop right there and say, you know what, that's the world we live in, isn't it? That's our political discourse. That's our society discourse. Flip on the news, whichever side you pick, that's what they do. They work to bring anger in, to bring division in, and to move it to a zero-sum game. There are winners and there are losers. We are not united together. That would be a dog-eat-dog mentality of it. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that you don't fight over that, are, that, that you don't give up on. That's not what I'm saying. But everything is not like that. There are a handful of things in this world that are closed fists. You don't let go of them. But there are a lot of things. They're just preferences, right? They're just preferences. They're not biblical things. They're just things that we do to get along. So that, that would be. So then he goes on to say, <clears throat> the consequence of this common approach is that a lot of people get chewed up in the course of satisfying other people's hunger for power, getting ahead, or gratifying other cravings. Another consequence is the loss of a supportive community ethos, with each individual now standing in need of looking out for the dangers posed by the other members of the community, rather than enjoying their protection and support. So as you know, when a community polarizes, and and it becomes, I'm going to win at all costs, what it does is it destroys it from the inside out. Because rather than looking and saying, how do we come together? How do we find solutions to the things that we face? And how do we move forward? And how do we agree to disagree in areas that are non-consequential in the grand scheme of life to, to move on? Because when you move into this point, it just says that, that our culture falls apart and 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 so that that's easy for us to see on a big scale but it can happen in a church as well this can happen in churches 
And Paul is saying, be vigilant that this never, ever gets started. Be vigilant. In Philippians 2, 1 through 3, the scriptures say, but if, there's any, but if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Inside the church, we are to have unity. Outside of the church, there's a lot of things we're not going to be able to have unity with. We will not be able to have unity with many, many ideas in our culture and, and so forth. So as you come in and you look at the, the, the moral decay in our culture, we, we, can't, we can't sign on for that. We can't agree with that. We can't say, you know what, we'll just, we'll just go along to get along. No, we have to say the truth. We have to speak the truth. But inside the church, we have the Word of God. It's an ironclad path for life, right? We, we, can, we can disagree over anything we want to disagree with until we find it in the Word of God, and then we have to bow down to, to God and, and come before his word and say, you know what, your word is true. And your word will guide us and we will follow whether we like it or not. Whether it fits what we think should be, we'll, we will go with what God says is. We will be there. And, and so here's where he comes in. He says, don't do this. Stick to the word of God. Stay here where he wants us to be. And and, um, you know, don't participate in gossip or conjecture over other people's motives. Instead, just ask them the question, what's going on? Or do I understand this? Can you help me to see or, or to know? It's better to ask when you have questions than to be subjective and, and dream things up and think the worst of others. I mean... <clears throat> I've had people ask all kinds of, of questions, you know, of, of different things. And, and, you know, usually I'll just say, hey, go ask them. Go talk to them. And, and instead, a lot of times what happens is, is we dream things up. What, what could be the worst possible thing? And then we spin it into a truth that's far from real. Um, you know, an easy way of saying, well, why is, Roy, why is Roy leaving the church? I mean, obviously, there's something wrong. Well, no, not really. I mean, well, what's going on between him and Scott? Nothing. Do we agree on every issue in life? Probably not. Does it matter? No. We both are called of God to do something that he has called us to do. And, and that in and of itself is the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So you could come in and go, well, um, <clears throat> Roy's moving. He's taking Amy and his children with him, which is like everybody who is singing today up here. It's kind of like the Partridge family, you know? Um, <clears throat> They're, they're going. And, uh, but 
in reality, are, are they going because there's a problem or, a, or strife? No. But how easy it would be to talk about that and to subjectively dream things up and come in and say, you know what, their motives are evil. They don't get along. They're troublemakers or whatever. And, and you could dream that kind of stuff up. You can dream that kind of stuff up. And just say, you know, I think it'd be a whole lot easier just to go have them over for dinner. They like to eat. I mean, I'm not saying they like to eat all the time, but, but you know, they, 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 everybody likes to eat, right? And, and just say, hey, you know, tell, tell us about what God's doing. And, and they'd be happy to tell you that. Um, you know, I, I for, for <clears throat> you know, another one, I, I give you another easy one. So, well, why isn't Kenny leading music anymore? Because Kenny chose not to. Nobody told him not to. Um, he wasn't angry with anybody. He had no problem with anyone. I mean, he just said, you know, at this stage in my life, I need to step back. And so he did. And, and you, you, you know, people are trying to connect dots that don't connect. That's biting and devouring one another. Now, you say, well, no, nobody's... It is. It's gossip. At its very root, it's gossip, and it's sin. And sin is evil. And this is what Paul is writing to this church in Galatia. He says, look, if you'll focus on loving others you won't get hung up in this stuff. If you'll focus on serving others, if you'll focus on the picture of God's kingdom, if you'll focus on serving one another in love, of putting the interests of others above yourself, if you'll focus on that, you won't be like a pack of wild animals that eat their young. And nobody wants to be in that church, right? Watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. So that is, that is the issue that, <clears throat> that he's coming in there. So don't, don't fall into the trap of getting sucked into stuff with no factual basis. Ask the questions. Ask the questions and do that and, and come in. And if you do, it, it will be something that is, is positive rather than negative. In 1 Peter 3.8, Peter wrote, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. All of those things prevent us from going off to the biting and devouring. All of these are ways. When we have a unity of mind, we have come here for one purpose, and that is to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, God the Son who came and died for us on a cross to redeem us out of the pit of sin, to give us a hope and a future, to, to stand us up and pick us up out of the miry clay and put us on a firm place where we can be the people of God, where we can experience the joy and the life that only comes through Him. And, and then as we do that, it's not so that we can have a, a, a club, but instead it's so that we we can come be an army that conquers sin through the power of Christ as we share him with those around us. That's the purpose. That's where it moves us. That's where he has come. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers 
dwell together in unity. You see, if, if we truly desire, if we truly desire to be a force for change in our community, if we truly desire to see people brought to Christ, if we truly desire to see the hope of Jesus made known to our world, if, if this is the thing that really drives us, it requires a oneness of mind and a oneness of heart. It requires that we love others the way that we love ourselves. It requires that we put our own pleasures and desires on the back burner and put others ahead, put the needs of others ahead of our own. It requires that we help those who are in desperate need of help. It requires that we care for those who can't care for themselves. It requires that we share the gospel. It requires that we stand firm on the word of God and we don't bend And it requires that when we fight, we fight over the right things. You don't know what's, you, you don't know, there are things that you fight over. When it comes to the truth of God's word, I'll fight to the death. And we as a church have to stand firm on the word of God. And we have to stand firm on the truth of that. And, and we have to stand firm on <clears throat> as, as we live it out in our world. I mean, we, we can't compromise that because that would not be loving. That would be hateful and awful because we would be bowing down to something that's destructive and that would be a lie. But when we come in, if we want renewal, if we want as we come in this month and, and we have revival, um, the, the 23rd through the 26th or whatever those dates are in our men's conference. If we, if we really want to see something happen during that time, we have to prepare our hearts for it. We have to prepare our minds. We have to have the right attitude and the right look and the right desire. And we begin <clears throat> by putting others ahead of ourselves. We begin by seeing the people around us and looking to the best Rather than questioning and seeing what is the worst in them, we, we look and say, you know what, what is, what is God's best doing right there? What is God doing in their life right now? What is God moving? How is he working in them? And, and then when we come in and we see things in one another and we look and, and, and because all of us, we all have blind spots in our lives. We all have sin in our lives. We just need to admit it. Nobody's perfect in the room. And when we do, if, if we have the attitude of we're always looking out for one another, we're always loving one another, we're always serving one another, we're always caring one another, then when you come in to the point of there is sin in my life and somebody comes in and they say, you know what, I've been observing this. And, and I'm coming to you in humility and love to say that I fear for your future. And I fear for your future because this is an action that's not biblical. That's serving in love. That's a hard conversation to have. It's a whole lot more difficult than to just go out and talk to other people about it and say, wow, can you believe what's going on with them? But instead, just coming in and saying, you know what, I want God's best for you. I want God's best for me. I want God's best for our church. I want God's best for our community. I want us to be a force for good in our community and and we can't do that if we're not in unity how can i help you 
So that, that would be the way that these things play out. So as, as Paul comes in and, and we look at it, freedom in Christ should drive us to learn, love and serve. Freedom in Christ should drive us to that. And as we see that, as we see love and service coming out, that, that's really fulfilling the standard that God has given to us. You may, may wonder, you know, well, gosh, that just seems pretty simple. Well, in, in, in a lot of ways, it really is. Jesus said, you know what, you can sum the whole Bible up in, in a really simple way. Love God more than anything else and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, if you get those two things down, the rest of it, it's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple because that covers a huge area of it. And then the warning is, don't, don't fall off and go into a, uh, be like a pack of wild animals. Now, just haven't said all that. I've never really felt like I'm living in a pack of wild animals. Um, I've felt very blessed um, as a pastor. I've had, um, you know, not to say that I've lived conflict-free, but it's been good. Um, But I've also seen in in the church world, I have seen the underbelly of it and and, and the dark side of it, and, and it's never good. It never honors God. It never brings anything good. And, uh, and so as, as we come in and, and look at that, I would, uh, I, you know, I've, I've watched it on, on multiple fronts, not, not necessarily in here, but, but outside on a, um, with other in the bigger community and, and so forth. Um, but, but basically, I would say that you could always sum the problem up to one thing not loving other people the way that you love yourself. It's wanting mine rather than wanting God's. And this is where service and love move us. It moves us away from this. It moves us away from this danger, and it puts us as a place where we feel loved, we feel cared for, and we feel safe. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be. Because you know what? That's highly attractive to the people in the world we live in today. Highly attractive. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for the love that we have in in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the unity that you've given to us in him and, and the unity that we have with one another. And Father, we pray for our church that you would help us to always be a people who love one another, who care for one another, who always look for the best in each other. Father, that we be a people who encourage and build one another up. Father, that we be a people who serve and care for each other. And Father, that um, we would be a place where we feel where people come and they feel loved and encouraged and challenged. We pray, Father, that um, above all, that we'll love you more than anything this world has. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... um, kind of wrapping it up, I would say, you know, in, in our church, I, I feel like um, I, I've come in and, and sometimes I look and I go, wow, what have I done 
to deserve such good friends. I mean, I look around and I, I see friends. Um, and, and sometimes I think, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done? I haven't. I haven't done anything to deserve it. And um, I, I think that um, kind of comes down to the essence of it all. I, I, I said that to Trish this summer. I said, you know, I just don't know what I've done to deserve such good friends. And um, when, I, when I think about all of it, I think it comes down to this attitude that we, we have a lot of people who want to love and serve. And, and I want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage our church in that. And I want, to, I want to also warn us that that can disintegrate in a heartbeat. And, and it can go into a pack of dogs. And, and, desire, and, and, and if Paul wrote that to churches 2,000 years ago today, it's just as alive and well today. So I want to encourage you to look, you know, what is God doing in me as we come into revival? How is he building me up in unity? How is he giving me a love for others? How am I looking for the best for others? How am I going to help them to find their best and be their best? Because that's what it means to be um, in unity. It means that, that we're, not, we're not compromising on the word of God. We're not compromising on, on any of the fundamentals of the faith. But instead, we're looking to be everything that God wants us to be. And, and then those who are not living according to the word of God, that instead of condemning that, instead we're encouraging them to move in to where God wants them to be. That's, that's the thrust of it all. So I want to encourage you, as we sing this last song today, think about it. How, how, can, I, how can I be a person of unity in our church? Would you stand?